This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two is uh, underway. Tuesday, April 18th. Logan Gordon along with you. We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. My outstanding producers of Cam and Taylor are with us. Night two of the NHL playoffs gets going. Five o'clock with the Rangers and the Devils tonight. Got the Leafs and the Lightning, Jets and Golden Knights, Kraken, and the Colorado Avalanche all coming your way after what was a great night one in the NHL last night. We'll have uh, the second half of our predictions coming up in hour two. Cam's been dying to get more predictions out on the air after yesterday. Hey, we'll so to, far so good. We'll have to text Brody. We had Brody around yesterday, Brody on the beat from the morning show. Uh, because we had such a busy day with Flames news yesterday. We had Brody around doing some extra stuff. So he did uh, predictions with us yesterday. So maybe we'll have to uh, phone it in, or maybe one of my producers can text him and get his picks for uh, the remaining series so we can keep him in the loop for that. How's that sound? We're on it. I am on it. Boom. So stay tuned for our uh, our last four series predictions in round one uh, ahead of tonight's matchup. But uh, we're going to kick off hour two. How we usually kick off hour one. It's always a pleasure to go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline and chat with our next guest. He's Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You know him. You love him. He's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. They know your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They now offer air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am delightful. I am home. So oh. I am I am a very happy man today. I'm glad to hear it. So travels went well? Yeah, they went really well. Yeah, good. all good. Good, Thanks. good to hear. Um yeah. busy day yesterday for you and a number of reasons you were all over the place. We had flames yeah, news. Yeah, I, I shouldn't happen to us today, which is good news. <laughs> No, I, not even, and I'm not even talking about that of the hit yesterday. It was just a busy day in general for you, uh, moving around. We had all that flames oh. news going and everything, and yeah. uh, trying to make it work. But we're 24 hours out, and I started the show today with a bit of you know looking back on yesterday and and processing everything that we heard. And I guess I'd ask you a similar question, Lou, is how you feel about everything that we heard yesterday from the Calgary Flames, and it was a a big day. 24 hours later, how you feeling about it? Well, it, it was a big day, and I think most people have, who have tuned into the show uh, heard, you know, the speculation from me. I, I just I did not really see a situation that was going to work for Brad, who he is as a person, and I just didn't see him and Daryl as a long-term fit. And I think the type of season that went on put – 
you know, Brad, not to say Daryl wasn't in a difficult position, but, you know, Daryl got a much-needed answer back in September. And Brad obviously had an opportunity on more than one occasion. We learned that to sign, but I give, I give him a lot of credit. And, you know, nine years, did a lot of terrific things, um, you know, built some great relationships that will serve him well and will guarantee when it's his time and he wants to and the fit is maybe even better for him going forward that, you know, he will have a new job in the National Hockey League. And I'm a fan. I, I, it's not really picking sides. It's just, Logan, I don't, I don't care what kind of partnership it is. I just think at a certain point in time when philosophically, and not necessarily about the game, I, I, I don't think Daryl and Brad are philosophically very different at all in terms of things they value and their absolute lust and passion to try to win. I just, I just think, you know, the people piece is different. And in a year where there's all kinds of ups and downs and everybody's on a roller coaster and frankly, no one's getting what they want. The coach isn't getting what he wants. A lot of the players aren't getting what he wants. The general manager doesn't get what he wants. You have to make some really hard decisions for you and for Brad. I guarantee you it is agonizingly difficult and there will be a big part of him that feels like he didn't do what he set out to do. But if you like people, and I like them a lot and value them, you just want people to go to work every day and be in a better, happy place. And so it's not going to be Calgary. It will be somewhere else. And, you know, the older I get and the more I cover the game, and I, I love the game beyond belief and have been so fortunate, whether it's Brad, whether it's Daryl, whether it's the great assistant coaches, I've been really lucky because that's where I've learned everything about the game and continue to learn from my contacts in the sport. So marriages and journeys and all of those things come to an end sometimes. And we'll see where it goes from here. How important, if Daryl Sutter remains as this team's head coach, Lou, is the relationship between him and whoever the next GM is? Immensely important. Immensely important. And I think that will be potentially, maybe, maybe not. I don't know exactly what Don Maloney's thinking. I don't know exactly what John Bean is thinking, or more importantly, Murray Edwards is thinking. But... I think it is really, really important that, and and I don't think there's any question whatsoever that Daryl's saying it's about eight point four million dollars to stay. Um, so and I just don't see, I just don't see ownership not going in that direction, and and maybe that's not going to be the case. Who knows? I don't know. Murray's not going to call me about this, and no one else is. I'll get to react to it. So, yeah, it's really important. 
it's 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 vitally important that those two guys are very aligned on what they see value in and that's why i think you know putting that person in place in some respects sooner rather than later really makes a lot of sense because you have some you have some real big decisions to make on personnel and who you want to keep and who you want to go with and I don't think Daryl and Brad saw that part. I think how they wanted the game to be played was very similar. I'm not sure they were on the same page in terms of utilization and who was in and who was out. That, I think, was different. And that's a, I know I talked about it earlier, too. I'm sure you would agree, Lou. That's a a massive thing that in any relationship, in any team, that's got to be. Uh, a rock-solid level of communication when it comes to that sort of thing. Well, it, it, it is. But, Logan, the truth of the matter is is we can try and pretend, but I'm not going to pretend, not now or ever again in any way, shape, or form. The fact of the matter is it's never perfect. GMs and, and scouts and player personnel people, you know, their whole thing is to get the people to the coaching staff. And then the coaching staff is really there to get the most out of the people that are assembled. And so even in the best of situations, they're they're not always going to be completely on the same page. But when I think about Tampa, which to me for many years has been the gold standard in the National Hockey League, you know, what you have that you have not had in Calgary for a long time is real stability and continuity in key areas. But whether it's been coaching changes, you know, Brad was there for a long time. So that was great continuity. And so now we close the book for the time being on that chapter. But there have been lots of coaches and and different types of coaches. And there's always going to be different kinds of, of players that come in and out, especially in the cap world. So I do. I think it's, it's really important that, and I said it a lot, ownership, management, and coaching staff are, are very aligned. You give yourself the best chance. And, and it doesn't mean aligned, Logan, in regards to they have to see it all the same. You don't want them to. No. But what you want them to be able to is you want them to be able – to actually collaborate and, you know, get to better places and, and have a plan, have a plan, you know, cause, cause I don't think it went over very well. If, if you're somebody who was scouting or you brought some people in this year and you heard a lot from different places of how those players weren't very good. And that's not to suggest that they were good. But that starts to run thin. And it's always going to be a debate. Always, yeah. Logan, always. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, in many ways, why coaches get changed a lot. Certainly more so than managers. Not always. But that's the difference. Because yeah. coaches, and I've had way more to do in my career with coaches 
they always feel like they don't quite get enough to do what they want to do. And on the management side, it kind of boils down a lot of times to, well, I got you these guys. What are you doing with it? So how you're aligned, who you value, the types of players you value. One of the reasons Tampa, to get back there just for a second, Logan, has been so, so good is continuity but also in every aspect of what they do. And Al Murray, I think, is one of the finest player personnel people maybe in the last 20, 25 years. But everybody's on the page in terms of how they want to play and the kind of players and the kind of standard you set. Like Tampa's never been afraid over the years, have they been, to take some smaller skilled forwards. They want people who can compete and think with skill. So they made some picks that at the time might not have checked the boxes for a lot of people. I'd say the same uh, about a friend of mine. And and I think Ross Mahoney, who, by the way, um, I would hope if he's interested that the Calgary Flames would look his way. Because he has done a great job in Washington. You know, they've fallen kind of on hard times a little bit now. But, Logan, go over Ross's track record. But how many times their staff picked from, like, 20 to 30 and the types of people they came up with? That's not a coincidence. No. So, again, I've, I've had an association with both of those guys that I just talked about. I think they're, they're fabulous people. I think they're great communicators. I know what their work ethic is all about. And, you know, I also think, and I said it yesterday, I, I think Craig Conroy and I probably should have even mentioned Brad Pascal. The, the only thing with Craig is I know the long association he and Daryl have had. I, I have no idea where Brad would sit in in Daryl's mind. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's weird. Actually, I know we've talked about that too. Of you know, guy that used to be your coach. Now you've seen him a bit as an AGM. If you're Craig, and what is that? You're right. What does that relationship look like? Is that the the best one for this group right now? I have. I really have no idea. Well, I, I don't, I'm not sure anybody does, but I think the most important thing is, is as long as Daryl is going to be this coach, you uh, you have to have someone in place who's going to be able to deal okay with how he operates. Hundred uh, percent. It's going to be an interesting search here for the Calgary Flames. I don't think I don't think the owner extended him for eight plus million dollars because he doesn't believe in what he can bring. No, that's for sure not. So for anybody out there suggesting that in some ways this wasn't a bit of a who you picked. Sorry, I'm not buying. You picked. Yeah. That's not to say that they didn't want both guys to stay. 
But if you're the general manager, you want to feel like you have control over personnel decisions. For sure. So that's how I see it. We're talking with Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Flames here on Sportsnet 960. He joins us on every edition of Sportsnet today, and he does so thanks to our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Uh, away from the Calgary Flames, Lou, a very interesting night one of playoff action last night. Uh, four pretty good games. Uh, the Hurricanes, Bruins, Wild, and Kings all picking up victories on night one. I know you caught uh, a little bit of all of them, uh, and you got uh, all of the Kings and Oilers in. Let's start there. Uh, what a game last night for the LA Kings. I didn't know at any point, Lou, if I felt like the Kings had that comeback in them, just based on how good Edmonton was through the first two periods. But give them credit. That goal, 52 seconds in by Adrian Kempe, lit a fire under that Kings team, and they pushed and pushed and found a tying goal and found a way to win it in overtime. I thought that the real key goal in many ways was actually Kempe's first that made it two to one. Because I didn't think LA Logan was very connected. I didn't think that they spent hardly any time in the Oilers zone. And I thought for 30 minutes, Edmonton absolutely did Oilers hockey up the way they want to play. But that goal in many ways kickstarted it. And then you're right. The early third period goal gave them again a reason to believe and hang in it. And we have talked a lot, Logan, on this show and between the two of us about how you manage games at the most key times. And I know there's a lot of Oiler fans very upset about the penalty in overtime. And to a certain degree, I get why. But one that you can't be upset over was the one that Bouchard took with two and a half minutes left. And you can't take that penalty. No, you cannot. And that, and that is really what opened the door. And then he didn't win enough face-offs in that stretch. Remember, with 48 seconds left after an L.A. icing, they had an offensive zone face-off. And McDavid lost it. So, you know, give L.A. all kinds of credit. But this is going to be a long one. I, I really, <laughs> yeah. I really, really believe that, and it's good, and it's good. I, I hope, I hope in Edmonton, it's as tough and difficult and all that goes with it. Because if if they're really ready to break through, they'll find their way, and I can't wait to see one way or another whether they can or can't. Why do you think, uh, I was reading last night, Lou, the Kings are among the best teams when it comes to shutting Connor McDavid down. I think uh, most of his appearances that haven't been on the score sheet like last night have come against the LA Kings. Is it as simple in your mind as, okay, Todd McClellan knows the player pretty well from his time in Edmonton. Is it Kopitar and Deneau present pretty good challenges down the middle for him? Or is it a bit of, of everything when it comes to how this team takes on number 97? Well, there's a couple of guys in particular, um, and you mentioned two of them already. So um, their depth, their speed, but two guys in particular. And one guy that 
I don't really hear people talk about a lot, and maybe even me. Um, but I've watched him pretty close this year, especially when the Flames have played and in some other games. And I watched him really close last night, and that's Drew Doughty's partner, Mikey Anderson. He is a fiercely competitive, strong, skating, quality defender. So those two guys in particular, him and Doughty, have formed an excellent pair. And in L.A., that's the area of their team over the last number of years that I didn't think was at a high enough level. And then the big change came at the deadline. Two of them. The goalie, that helped shut people down. But Vladislav Gavrikov. Vladislav Gavrikov, to me, Logan, is to the L.A. Kings what Matthias Ekholm is to the Edmonton Oilers. Big, strong, you know, Gavrikov even probably has a little bit more bite. And now in Los Angeles, you've got, you know, to me at this time of year, more than ever, it's all about your top four and your ability to play four guys the best you can most of the night against elite level people. And you need your forwards, obviously. When you're dealing with McDavid, you know, you can't have enough layers for him to go through. But those two guys, I think, Anderson has really, to me, elevated over the last year. And Gavrikov has been an excellent, hard-nosed, 20-minute-a-night guy with bite that they didn't have before. And on the left side, for a team that has copious, including through the minors, Mm -hmm. guys who can play the right side, who can't even get in right now. Yeah, I remember having a, a conversation with you about this not long ago as we were talking about a Flames-Kings game uh, before the season was over for the Flames and going through that right side when they'd got Gavrikov and thought, man, every other team around the league is dying for these right-shot defensemen and the Kings have... Yeah, they got 70 of them. <laughs> too, too many of them. <laughs> uh, you can never have too many. No, no, too many is probably the wrong word It's going to help you down the road, you know, add in places... Yeah. that other teams can't because they don't have the kind of, you know, prospect capital that teams like the Kings have. And the Kings might have as much of it as almost anybody. Uh, looking ahead to tonight's schedule, Lou, another four game ones on the schedule. I uh, mentioned to our pal uh, Sam Cosentino in hour one. Hard for me to look anywhere but Tampa Bay, Toronto tonight, knowing how, the, you know, these two teams have bashed heads the last couple of years in round one and we're so curious to see if Toronto can finally slay that beast in Tampa Bay, but I'm curious if you feel the same way on tonight's schedule, or is there another game that's got your eye? You know, I, I like all of them. Uh, I think this really has a chance, Logan, to be a fabulous first round, and it was shaping up that way uh, almost no matter what happened down the stretch, but you know, when you had a pretty good idea you're going to get Toronto and Tampa again, Um, You know, the Devils and Rangers, I think, is going to be absolutely fantastic. See if the young Devils are ready to take another step against a Ranger team that I think is, you know, potentially even better than the team that went around three last year and the rivalry and and all that will be. So, you know, that one interests me and excites me almost as much. And the one I have marked down, though, is actually Winnipeg and Vegas. I'm as intrigued by that one 
as maybe the other two that I just talked about. Because this is really, you know, the last stand for the current Winnipeg Jets. As I see it. And can Shifley, can Wheeler in particular, and another guy. I was asked about it yesterday. And the most fascinating matchup for me, and it's not like they're going to go head-to-head all the time. I really like the defensive group of Vegas. Uh, You know, Winnipeg's got great depth. Two guys for me in that series, Logan. And we'll talk about it tomorrow after night one unfolds. Who's going to be better? Eichel or Pierre-Luc Dubois? Because in many ways, that's the matchup, even though they might not go a lot head-to-head. But I just get the sense that the better of those two guys in this series might go a long way to their teams being successful. And uh, before we let you go, Lou, I wanted to uh, to ask you about a player that uh, retired today and had uh, one of his actually had his best NHL season with the Calgary Flames, and I thought I'd ask because you've got such a great memory, and I, I know you probably have something in your memory bank about this uh, this guy. I'm curious what I, what comes to mind, Lou, when I say the name Nigel Dawes to you, who officially oh. retired from pro hockey. He was uh, spent 0-9-10 with the Flames, 66 mm-hmm. games, 32 points, his best NHL season ever, would go on to play 10 years, 10 years in the KHL, and two more the last couple of years in Germany, Nigel Dawes, the Winnipeg native, retiring from pro hockey today. Well, you just gave me goosebumps is what you did. Uh, I hadn't seen that yet. I was on an airplane all day. Um, well, there's there's a few, and I'll try to be as brief as I can. So the first time I really feasted my peepers on Nigel Dawes was the 2002 Memorial Cup final in Guelph. And that was the only game of that event that I was able to see. He was a 16-year-old with the then Kootenai Ice under the guidance of Ryan McGill and current Hitman general manager Jeff Chenault. And I was was blown away by his poise, um, what he was able to do on that stage, and not just that day, throughout the playoffs and in the tournament. And then I was lucky enough to cover two world juniors that he played in the heartbreaker of all heartbreakers, the loss to the Americans in Helsinki in 2004, which in that event, he was on the number one Canadian line that was centered by Mike Richards. And the right winger was a guy by the name of Anthony Stewart. And they had the best numbers in the whole event. And, you know, poor Braden Coburn has one, you know, shoots it off Marc-Andre Fleury's back. And, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a game I try to forget but never will. And then, of course, Nigel was also part of arguably the greatest Canadian junior team ever assembled. And that was in 2005 in Grand Forks. And um, not that he would have been at the top of this list, Logan, but there are certain things that – well, most things stick with me, whether they should or shouldn't. But the absolute heartbreak that I saw 
for the 11 or 12 guys who had a chance to come back in Grand Forks after losing that game to the Americans in 2004, again, not just the game, but the reactions of people like, you know, Max Talbot and Tim Brent, and they weren't able to come back, and others. I don't think Braden Coburn was right for about a year and a half after that was all said and done. He wore that, like, terribly. And I knew because of that heartbreak and pain and the kind of roster Canada was going to have in Grand Forks, people forget sometimes Sidney Crosby was part of that devastating loss in Helsinki as a 16-year-old. I knew that team wasn't going to lose. And Nigel Dawes was an excellent player again the next year in Grand Forks. I always enjoyed dealing with him. Um, I loved watching him play. He was always kind of one of those big-time players, especially at the junior level. And so I wish him nothing but the best. Lou, uh, great way to end the hit. Uh, appreciate that as always, pal. I know it's, I didn't get a chance to throw it in our notes there, but I, uh, as always, had faith you would pull through, and you always do. Yeah, that was uh, that that one. There's not many places with me you can't go. I don't no. think, but that one was. I couldn't have planned that one better myself. So. That was that was a softball that worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was a good one. I crushed it. So, glad- okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad you got to uh, got home safe, pal. Glad to hear it. Have a great afternoon. We'll chat with you tomorrow. Oh, yeah, eh? I was in a good mood being yes. at home. Yes, sir. Okay. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Lou, take care. Uh, Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan uh, joins us every day here on Sportsnet today, courtesy of the Gemini Group Home Renovations. They know your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at the Gemini Group. .ca. Four more games. Uh, game one's kicking off playoff series tonight. It starts with the Devils and the Rangers. We'll dive into what's going to be another busy night in the NHL playoffs next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. takes a look down low. What timer They score. It's Aya Fallow, the overtime hero as the Los Angeles Kings steal game one here in round one against the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, the cheers from... Uh, about 300 kilometers south of Edmonton last night were heard around the city of Calgary when Alex Iafalo blasts one past Stuart Skinner in the first overtime on the power play. Kings with three third period goals come back to beat the Edmonton Oilers in game one. That was just one of four pretty outstanding games Monday night to kick off the 2022-2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We went through our first predictions yesterday of all four series that got going. Bruins, Kings, Wild, Hurricanes, all picking up victories on night one. We've got another four games scheduled for tonight. We'll dive into all of those series and get you our predictions coming up in just moments. But yes, last night, a little bit of everything. That Kings-Oilers game had the big comeback for the Kings after what was a pretty dominant 40 minutes or so from Edmonton. 
I didn't think LA had to come back in them, but sure enough, Adrian Kempe, the guy who gave the Oilers problems last year in this same scenario in round one of the playoffs, continues to be a thorn in their side. And the Kings, just like last year in round one, take game one from the Oilers. You also have the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars heading to double overtime on night one of the playoffs. Stars and Wild get heated after a hit from Matt Dumba knocks Joe Pavelski out of the game. It was initially called a major on the play, reviewed, and only given a two-minute penalty, which is wound up being uh, a four-on-four for both situations as Max Domi came in to challenge Matt Dumba. And from there, the physicality was on for both of these teams. Back and forth night, the goaltenders were outstanding. Won't surprise anyone here in Calgary that Jake Ottinger was spectacular again last night for the Dallas Stars. But how about Philip Gustafson? An afterthought of the Ottawa Senators this offseason as they acquired Cam Talbot now looks to be the goaltender of the future in Minnesota. He makes 51 saves last night and is your first star as the Minnesota Wild take a one nothing series lead. I'll quickly ask on my producers who are going to be in on our predictions uh, coming up in just moments. Anybody have a problem with the Matt Dumba hit on Joe Pavelski last night? Yes, I do. What what uh, didn't work for you on that? Well, here's the thing. Like, I feel it should have been a major, but Dumba left his feet to hit Pavelski. Pavelski then hit his head on the ice, and nothing was done about it. And when you have a league that is trying to combat, I guess, concussions, they're not really doing a good job of it. Yeah, I I agree with you that it does look like to me like Dumba extends himself upwards on the play. My biggest thing is, is it, it it was late. I know at full speed it's it's harder to to judge these sort of things, but the puck has left Pavelski's stick. He's not in a position to defend himself. I was okay with it not being a major uh cuz I did think it was more interference than it was a check to the head. Uh, but I still thought it was deserving of a penalty and he did wind up getting a penalty on the play, but not for the hit. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting one. It was one that I thought would spark Dallas a little bit more. Did seem to do that. Uh, There was still physical Dumba was hearing it from the crowd all night and probably will for the rest of the series. But yeah, it, uh, it was a physical affair. No one should be surprised division rivals like that meeting up in round one. Uh, they already probably don't have a good uh, opinion of one another. And uh, sure enough, that one was an entertaining matchup for uh, game one. We also, a little less going on between the Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. Uh, Hurricanes down the Islanders 2-1 in the first game of this, the night last night. And then you had the Bruins. 3-1 winners over the Florida Panthers. Former Flame Matthew Kachuk uh, with the lone goal for Florida midway through the second period. Uh, Florida has an uphill battle in this one. Bruins did not have Patrice Bergeron last night due to the flu bug that is going through their locker room right now. 
and at times it didn't really seem like they even missed him. That's how uh, deep this Bruins team is this year with guys like Bertuzzi and Orlov coming in. Uh, this is going to be a very tough team to knock off, and if Linus Allmark is going to play as well as he did last night, uh, there's another level uh, of frustration for opponents to get through. He was uh, fantastic. He made 31 saves, uh, a 969 save percentage for his first victory of the postseason. Bruins lead that series one game to nothing. But that leads us to tonight's schedule. Another four games on your televisions mixed between Sportsnet, CBC, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 1. Uh, it all gets going at 5 o'clock with the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. Uh, not sure enough people are talking about this series. This could be a great one in round one. The New Jersey Devils, the up-and-comers, the young Hughes brothers, uh, mixed in with some talent like Timo Meyer, who they brought in ahead of the NHL's trade deadline. Well, the Rangers loaded up themselves with the likes of Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. Uh, like I said, we didn't have uh, Alex Brody available to us this afternoon. He did our picks with us yesterday, but we managed to text him in, Taylor, and we've got we've got Brody's picks ready to go for our predictions today, right? We do. Perfect. So we are good to go. So a quick reminder from yesterday, as I'm organized for once in my life, and I have our picks. So from yesterday, uh, Cam and Taylor had Carolina. Uh, Taylor had Caroline in six. Cam has Caroline in five. Um, Alex and myself took the Islanders. The Carolina leads of that series one to nothing. We all took the Bruins in five, except for Cam, who took them in four. They lead that series one to nothing. Kings Oilers. Taylor took the Kings in seven. The rest of us took the Oilers in seven. So Taylor has an early lead in that series. And we all took the Stars in six games, except for me, who took them in five. And right now we're all big losers in that one. So you can join along, 960-960. Questions, comments, disagreements with our picks. But let's start with the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. Taylor, this should be a good series. Looking forward to this one at 5 o'clock tonight. Who are you picking, and in how many games, Devils-Rangers? This one's hard to pick. This is a hard one to pick. I think I have to go with the Devils in 7. The Devils in 7. Why? I feel like the Devils need... A good redemption story. Do they? Yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Cam? This this series is so hard for me because I I honestly can see it going either way, either for the Rangers or for the Devils. I have written down on my little sheet here the Devils in six. But the more I look at it, I almost want to change that to go Rangers in six. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut. I'm gonna switch it. I'm gonna go Rangers in six. Rangers in six. Uh, what does uh, Brody on the beat have? Brody Taylor? also has Devils in seven. Devils in seven. Okay. 
Uh, I am taking the New York Rangers in seven games. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, but the biggest thing for me in all of this is whenever I, I try to look at matchups and, and where teams go, as soon as I looked at goaltending, I see too big of an edge for the New York Rangers in this one. I think the Devils are, are just so close to being there, and I really like what they've built with Jack Hughes and going out and getting Timo Meyer. I think is a, a huge add for this team, and I wish it would mean more than, than one series potentially for them, but uh, I, I like the Rangers, Zabanejad, Kreider. They've got some proven guys there, and for me, uh, when all things are equal and I have to look at the matchup, I just like Shesterkin a lot more than anything the New Jersey Devils can put out there. So I'm going with the New York Rangers in seven. So me and Cam agree on the Rangers. Cam and Taylor going with the Devils. Uh, our good friend Matt. Alex. Alex. Who did I say? Cam. Cam. Just doubling up on Cam. Yeah. I'm just picking like, both sides. Just like I can't yesterday. pick a winner on this one. Just, just like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, making a mess of names. Uh, our good friend Matt and Cochran says, uh, as a fan of Patrick Warburton, I too am taking the Devils. Uh, this text says, Rangers game one, Devils game two, Rangers game three, Rangers four, Devils five, Rangers six, Rangers in six. Uh, this one says Rangers in four. Another Spicy. That's a bold prediction. Spicy. Would, would love, that'd be interesting. That'd be a pretty disappointing year for, uh, for New Jersey if it ends in four. But let's see what happens. Uh, next up, the rematch. Uh, we've been talking about this one a lot. Can the Toronto Maple Leafs finally slay the beast that is the Tampa Bay Lightning? This is the year. Cam, apparently very confident that this is the year. Uh, Sportsnet Television Network is going to be covering this one at 530. Uh, we are in Toronto for game number one tonight, and I'm going to make Cam wait now because he decided ah. to uh, get in early. Uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay. Where does Brody go out with his first pick in this one, Taylor? Lightning in five. Wow. Lightning in five. Taylor, do you agree with that? I I agree with the lightning, and for me, it can either go five games or seven games. So what do you want me to write down? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go seven. The the Leafs always take it to game seven, so. Cam, we already know you're taking Toronto. How many games is Toronto winning this in? Seven games. This is going to be the best series of round one. Lock it in. Oh, man. (laughs) Do not okay bud me. It's true. The best series of round one. No question. This text says I got Leafs-Jets final. This one says Bolts in six. Leafs win game one and game five. Man. I like Toronto. I, I I do think there's something about Tampa Bay not being as, you know, prepared. They've played so much hockey the last couple of years. But I just, Victor Hedman and, and Andre Vasilevsky, I just can't. I just can't see Toronto matching up with that still. I don't I, I like Ryan O'Reilly. I think it's a good ad. I think the Leafs are, are deep, but there's just something about the way Tampa Bay plays that I just think doesn't match up well with this Leafs team. And 
I, I feel like all the pressure's on Toronto, even though Tampa Bay has been to the cup finals and won a couple of cups here. Feels like to me all the pressure's on Toronto. So I got to take Tampa Bay in seven. I've bet against Tampa too many times that I just can't. I have to be proven wrong eventually for me to, to pick somebody else. Until I, I fully believe that Toronto can beat them, I'm, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Uh, Matt and Cochran, if the Leafs are going to win, it needs to be in six or quicker. Uh, this text says Leafs is in seven. Bolts in six, and this one says nothing in history is as wonderful as the tears of Leafs fans when they lose round uh, when they lose Game Seven in the first round. And in quotation brackets again, extra salt in those I will, wounds. I will be sure to post a social uh, about Cam crying when Perfect. the Leafs woo- lose. Perfect. There we Woos. go. Putting a W in front of it. They can't lose. Woos. W's. Okay, losing. so Alex. Tampa, Taylor, Tampa, me, Tampa, Cam, Toronto, Alex in five games for Tampa. There's Bay. no way it goes less than wow. six games. I had a buddy yesterday text me his playoff predictions, and he told me yesterday Leafs in four. I was like, okay. Just completely discrediting what are you all of the experience smoking? of that Lightning team. No. And give me some of it. <laughs> uh, Peter Labardi has called it the last stand for this current Jets team. They sneak into the playoffs ahead of the Calgary Flames. They set up a round one matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights. Sportsnet West, your home for this matchup tonight. Jets Golden Knights. Uh, we got to move a little quickly here, but uh, let's go with Taylor. Who you got? Winnipeg, Vegas. Vegas in uh, six. Vegas in six. Cam, you go with. I have Vegas in five. Vegas in five. Brody goes with Jets in six. He has to say that. Six, yes, he is getting paid by the government of Winnipeg. Him and Duma, the the Manitoba boys on the morning show. Uh, Vegas in six. Don't like this Jets team. Sorry. That last game against Calgary worried me a bunch about this Jets team, and I just. I haven't seen it from this group. It feels like they're a bit disjointed. Uh, and I just don't like the odds going into to Vegas uh, for, for game one tonight. And then how about this one? In your late game tonight, the expansion Seattle Kraken in year two have made the Stanley Cup playoffs. They set up a rematch for their goaltender against his former team. Philip Grubauer gets the start tonight against Alexander Gorgiev. As the Colorado Avalanche begin their title defense tonight at home against the Seattle Kraken on Sportsnet 360, 8 o'clock puck drop. Cam, you can start us off this time. Who are you going with? This is going to be hard. Uh, this is my one and only sweep of the first round. I have the absent four. Cam has a sweep. All right. Uh, what does Brody say? Brody also has abs in four. Really? Interesting. Taylor, do you agree with the boys? I think that the abs are going to take it, but I think it's going to be in about six. I agree uh, exactly with you. Colorado in six. No Gabe Landeskog for the avalanche. He'll miss the playoffs uh, with that same injury that's been bugging him all year long. Look, Seattle, good team. Uh, nice to see them rebound after a, a pretty dismal year one, but 
the Colorado Avalanche are, are just too good. They're too deep, even without Landis Cog. McCarr is back and, and healthy. I, I can't see Seattle winning this series. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but we'll see. Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, a uh, couple of texts. Uh, this one says, uh, our lady loyal listener, our loyal lady listener said, I'd rather see the Leafs win uh, the Dedmonton. Uh, Travis and Bonus said, Frank Sarvalli said the same thing about Tampa today on Bob Stoffer show. That means they, uh, that they have to lose now before he gets against them. This one says, Jets in seven. Uh, Matt and Cochran says, Vegas in six. Ruben says, Jets in six. Uh, we've got Colorado in five. Seattle overachieved like none other this year. This deck says, Jets are getting swept. And finally, five games for the Avs. I got Rangers, Avs in the final. Thank you to everyone for texting in. Those are our predictions. We'll let you know how they do uh, as round one continues. But we got to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960.